G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. And joining us on a Monday morning, we always love to catch up with Martin Isles from the Australian Christian Lobby and talk about some of the uh, political hot potatoes of the day. And a very important topic to start off today, Martin. Have you heard Kanye West's new single? (laughs) I haven't, Matt, but I saw this morning that he has released one. And uh, I look forward to listening to rap music for the second time in my life uh, to to listen to this. <laughs> you enjoyed his first album, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought uh, the, the lyrics were good. I mean, rap's not my thing, as you know, but uh, I, I've made my foray because of Kanye. <laughs> and he's uh, sent out a tweet saying that he's going to run for the President of the United States. Do you think he's serious? Is this legit? What are, what are your thoughts? Oh, it's interesting. One theory that's out there is that uh, this is all sort of uh, a, a bit of a um, it's a bit of a political game because if Kanye ran, then he would get the overwhelming share, I believe, that most people believe of the black vote. Ah. Uh, and if he did that, that would take it off of Joe Biden, and it would probably assure a Trump victory. So everyone's thinking maybe, maybe this is a grand strategy because Trump's his buddy. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, Matt. I I kind of suspect he was just having a bit of fun on Twitter. Okay, there you go. Well, it's always interesting. You never know what he's going to do next. And uh, I remember uh, when I I first heard the song Washed in the Blood uh, last week, and it starts out with an African-American preacher saying, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And then it's got, you know, the the drum beat, and then he starts rapping. And, yeah, it's a pretty good – there's a bit of African-American gospel preaching in it. So, yeah, let's hope uh, that reaches the next generation once again with the good news, hey? (laughs) Hey, he's he's one of the number one artists. You know, out there, it's rap lead culture. So uh, it's awesome. That's right. Let's keep him in our prayers that he stays on track, eh? <laughs> yep. Awesome. Now, mate, uh, big news on the weekend. The uh, 4th of July in Australia, we had the federal seat of Eden Monero in New South Wales with a bit of a cliffhanger. And uh, I know that the uh, the Labor Party has called it, said they've won the election, but the LNP hasn't actually conceded defeat yet. Is that right? Uh, that's true. They haven't conceded defeat, but uh, I think to win it from here would be uh, a Herculean task. Mm. So uh, at the moment, they're just counting postal votes, and it's true. Postal votes tend to count, uh, tend to favour the coalition, uh, but yeah, they're going to need some pretty extraordinary odds. So I think it's fair to say at this point, it looks like it's, it, it's a Labor win, which probably confirms what we've been seeing for the last couple of elections, which is even Monero used to be the classic bellwether seat. In other words... Whoever won government won that seat, and it just used to go back and forth and back and forth with the government of the day. Uh, I think that's changed. I think it's become a marginal Labor seat, and these seats do change over time. And you've got to remember, Eden Monero is right on the border of the ACT, and the ACT is a deep, deep, deep red territory. It's, <laughs> it's Labor, and Queanbeyan is becoming popular for Canberra home buyers because Canberra is so uh, eye-wateringly expensive these days, and so are the rents in Australia. So I'm not surprised that that's starting to become uh, a marginal Labor seat. Uh, I don't know that there's anything more to it than that, despite all of the uh, 
politics that have been going on in the background and everyone blaming everybody, I probably think it's just a marginal ABC these days. Well, you know, I was watching the uh, lead-up to the election coverage over the last few weeks, and surprisingly I saw some TV networks regularly showing the shots of Scott Morrison trying to shake people's hands and them saying, no, we don't want to shake his hand during the bushfires. They just played that over and over and over again, saying, oh, this is a big issue in that. It was surprising that they just kept showing that negative footage of Scott Morrison. Anyway, it was inter- did you find that interesting? <laughs> oh, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, they had to go back how many months to dig up that old footage yeah. when Scott Morrison was at his lowest. Uh, and ever since then, he's outperformed. Uh, ever since then, uh, the Australian public have been overwhelmingly happy with him. His approval rating was sky high. Uh, the media knew they had to go and find that in order to evoke bad memories. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, but the media is just like that. That's Mm. why I have less and less sort of time for them, and and I think more and more people are switching off. That's why you're here on Vision Radio, hey, mate? Exactly, Matt. Vision (laughs) Radio is is, is a shining beacon. (laughs) I'm going to use that in the promo. That was awesome. Uh, Now, now also, mate, uh, Queensland uh, has got uh, some interesting news. The Guardian has been questioning whether the LNP is being taken over by Christian soldiers. What's all this about? (laughs) Again, this happens every so often. The media suddenly realise that shock, horror, some Christians are in politics. Uh, and they decide to write it up as if it's some dreadful thing. Of course, what they forget is, and, and I always have a chuckle, and I said this to the National Press Club when I was doing a debate there on religious freedom. I said to the press, I said, you need to understand something. Most of Australia isn't like you insofar as most Australians have faith. Um, and that's a reality. Uh, and so to write something like this, oh, the LNP's got Christians in it. Well, no duh, because the Australian public, the Queensland public, is full of Christians. In fact, Queensland, some people might like to know, and of course, as a proud Queenslander, I'm happy to say this, is the most Christian state in Australia, uh, and Brisbane is the most Christian capital city. Not the most religious, but the most Christian. Uh, and so uh, the religious vote, or you know, the Christian constituency in Australia is big, and hey, they've got values just like any other Australian, and hey, some of them become doctors, some of them become lawyers, some of them, some of them become warehouse workers, factory labourers, some of them become politicians. Uh, big deal. Nothing to see here. But it's true. There are a number of Christians in the Queensland Parliament and the Christian vote in some parts of Queensland, especially uh, the Bible Belt in those southeastern suburbs of Brisbane or out in the Toowoomba area and uh, up in Townsville and various places like that is very significant. And, uh, you know, hopefully, yeah, they wake up and they, they look at what the LNP has promised, for example, to roll back late-term abortion. And they think that, you know what, that's, um, that's something worth getting behind. I often joke that uh, Brisbane is a bit like the buckle of the Bible Belt in Australia, like Texas is in the US. And, uh, (laughs) you you know, I've actually had the privilege of sharing at the Parliamentary Christian Fellowship in Queensland and uh, was blessed to see uh, there was a number of LNP Christians there. There was some from the uh, Labor Party, the Cata Party as well. Uh, Good to see Christians from from different parties. But, you know, uh, I I remember with... uh, um, a couple of years back uh, when Campbell Newman got in, or a while back, uh, there was a whole bunch of Christians uh, in then, and then, then they had that massive loss. Uh, but maybe maybe there's a resurgence, and uh, certainly I actually believe it's an answer to prayer, Martin. I'm, I'm excited about that. Now, mate, uh, in the ACT, interesting news that they've tried to rush through some covert criminal laws. Uh, what's the latest there? Uh, well, the ACT is following Victoria, uh, and... Uh following what Queensland was going to do, 
but has put on hold because of opposition from key groups, ACL included, but also the AMA and uh, the Queensland Law Society and all sorts. Uh, but this is a national move, and it is a national move to bring in what they call so- so-called LGBT conversion therapy laws, which criminalises what they are calling conversion therapy. And, you know, I just think it's time we called this out. Uh, it's a hoax. It's, it's, it's not... It's a hoax that's designed as a dog whistle so that they can put through some pretty nasty laws. There is no conversion therapy taking place in Australia because when you say conversion therapy, people think of, you know, the 1960s with, uh, you know, electric shocks and, uh, you know, coercion and these crazy boot camps like in that movie Boy Erased. And there was an era where that sort of thing happened, not just by religious groups, but actually by governments as well, in government institutions, mental health asylums and things like that. Those were times when some things were done that were wrong. None of that, and I repeat, none of that is happening today. All that's happening today is that Christian churches are preaching the gospel and saying, do you know what, repent and be converted. You know, Jesus saves sinners and transforms your life. All that's saying in the Christian church today is, hey, God has a plan for human sexuality. God has a plan for family. God has a plan for these things. And this is the best way to live. This is the way to, uh, to blessing, and this is the truth. Uh, all that's happening at the moment is there are people in Christian churches, quite a few, uh, and they may believe that they are same-sex attracted, or they may have, before they were converted, been in a gay lifestyle. And what they've decided to do is meet together to talk about it, to counsel with each other, to support each other. Beyond that, there's really nothing happening. And yet the government wants to come in and criminalise conversion therapy. And and, and Daniel Andrews uh, in Victoria was saying, you know, this is bigoted quackery from the medieval dark ages. And I'm sitting there going, well, hang on, mate. It isn't happening. So why the zeal? Why the push for this? And the devil is in the detail. If you read what these laws actually say, they simply say, oh, conversion therapy might be reading the Bible. It might be praying. Uh, It might be all these sorts of things that churches do every Sunday. And the concern that we have is that this isn't banning conversion therapy. This is trying, as much as a a, a law can, to ban conversion and ban the preaching of conversion. And that's very serious. It's very serious. It's an anti-free speech thing. Um, It's it's an attack on religion. Uh, And it's also an attack on all those people who are adults who want to be able to live their lives uh, and live out their, you know, quote-unquote sexuality in accordance with their religious beliefs and their faith. And there's an awful lot of people who want to do that. Uh, So this is very insidious, and it's by anti-religious activists. But of course, when they say conversion therapy, it catches on like wildfire. It's just awful. But it's a little bit of a hoax. The devil's in the detail. So that is going on, and the ACT government's tried to get it through without any consultation at all uh, under the excuse of coronavirus because they know that it will be exposed. So we're working hard on that one and trying to push back. Great to see the Australian Christian Lobby speaking up for uh, Christian values on that topic. And I do remember seeing your interview on 60 Minutes speaking about that topic. You spoke so well. Uh, Great to see that God's given you a platform to speak up on on that area. Now, over in WA, the McGowan Labor government has made a call on drug policy. What's the latest there? Uh, Well, yeah, this is uh, is quite a good one, actually. So there was a recommendation to the government to legalise marijuana. Uh, and also to uh, create injecting rooms, what they call safe injecting rooms, so that uh, uh, people who are hooked on drugs can go and uh, shoot up and get supervised while they do it and all the rest of it. These are what they call harm minimisation policies. Reality is harm minimisation never really minimises the harm. And there's plenty of 
studies, whether it's in the area of prostitution, you legalize it so it doesn't go underground, as they say, uh, or abortion or, or, or indeed drugs, you know, legalize drugs or create safe places for this to happen so that it, it doesn't work. The, the harm doesn't go away. The harm doesn't lessen. Uh, drugs are toxic. Drugs destroy lives and drugs will continue to do so. Uh, and see, from a Christian point of view, uh, this makes sense because the law is meant to be a teacher. It's meant to be an educator. It's meant to be a symbol of what is right and wrong. Uh, and so long as the law is a symbol of righteousness and right and wrong, it plays an important function. Even if you don't get every bad guy, even if you don't solve every problem, it teaches people. Uh, it has that educative effect. Uh, and so the law should be a symbol of right and wrong, and therefore it should say that you know, injecting of hard drugs is wrong uh, and punishable. Uh, and that is, you know, studies continually show, uh, just as effective as any other option. But the other thing is that to legalise marijuana, uh, you know, fine, it's one thing to get marijuana legalised through um, the usual pharmaceutical testing processes and, you know, put some extracts of whatever marijuana is in certain drugs and so forth, subject to the same procedures as anything else. But it's another thing altogether to say, oh, yeah, well, you can, you can grow some pot in your backyard uh, and smoke it every so often, no problem. Well, we know marijuana's got very, very clear links to psychosis, to mental health. Uh, we know that uh, it does all kinds of things and features in many violent crimes as well. Uh, and so that's just dangerous and foolish. Uh, and so I'm glad that, you know, they're not allowing people to grow marijuana in their backyard and smoke it up every so often. Uh, and I'm glad they're not going to be putting safe injecting rooms all around Perth uh, to make the drug crisis there, um, you know, certainly not improve it. It's great to hear that uh, also in WA your Australian Christian Lobby State Director Peter Abetz is doing a great job over there speaking up. I remember meeting him a couple of years ago at a uh, Bible League fundraising dinner. It was great to uh, connect with him. So he's uh, he's got you covered in WA. Uh, some other news. The ACL is celebrating that in just under a fortnight, Israel is joining the ranks of a growing number of nations implementing the Nordic model of prostitution law reform. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, this is actually something that's spreading around the world, um, particularly, funnily enough, in very progressive countries like Sweden and Iceland and Norway and these sorts of places. People use this language, they call it the Nordic approach or the Nordic model, and they, uh, you know, talk, say it's, you know, it's, a, it's a women's rights model and all this kind of stuff. Look, that's all very confusing. Basically, it's very simple. All it does is it says that, hey, you know what? If you buy a prostitute, that's a crime, okay? So <laughs> it's really quite simple. Uh, and, and it actually works. Uh, because for the first time, suddenly it's actually saying mostly men who buy prostitutes are saying, then you're doing something that's criminal. Um, and that has a huge impact on demand, particularly if the police actually enforce it. And then what that does in turn is it actually really, really, really helps to address the issue of sex trafficking and human trafficking. Because we know that basically there is this really, really dark underworld of trafficking in women and young women, particularly from Asia particularly from Eastern Europe. For Australia, it's Asia. For Europe, it's Eastern Europe, where the women come from. And they're trafficked into slavery. Uh, they are trafficked into other countries where they are, they are prostituted. Uh, and that is an alarmingly high number of women in the prostitution industry, even in Australia. The UN has identified Australia as one of the leading trafficking destinations in the world, especially for women from Southeast Asia. And so when people think about prostitution, they often don't realise what the truth is which is that there are women in slavery all over this country today in suburbs of Sydney, of Brisbane, of Melbourne, of Perth, of Adelaide, today, and they're slaves, uh, and they're being abused. And so it becomes a criminal act for uh, somebody to purchase their services, and at the same time, it doesn't become... It, it actually lifts the criminal penalty 
off of them. And the reason for that is they can actually exit the industry and they can seek help without fear. They can ring up, they can escape, they can flee, they can go to somebody, they can go to the police without fear because they are not criminals for being trafficked into the country. They're not criminals for being coerced into sexual slavery. Uh, I think that's a great thing. And all the countries that have tried it are reporting wonderful results. The numbers of women trafficked into Sweden, for example, from Eastern Europe have dropped like a stone because now all the traffickers know, hey, you know what, too risky in Sweden. What we're going to do is go to Germany instead. Uh, and the same thing would happen for us. Uh, and so we think that there needs to be some Australian state as a matter of urgency to adopt this model. We've been advocating really, really hard, especially in South Australia under the excellent leadership of our South Australian State Director, Christopher Broyer. We're making huge progress. And we actually think that we will get this uh, law passed in an Australian state in the next couple of years, if not before. Well, mate, it's wonderful to hear the work the Australian Christian Lobby is doing. And once again, if people want to find out more, they can go to acl.org.au, search up ACL on social media as well and connect with you guys. Uh, mate, I better let you go so you can uh, go and do some homework and listen to Kanye's new single, hey? <laughs> I will do that right away, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, God bless you, mate. Thanks so much for your time. See you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.